dear friends, let us enjoy a few more of our verses. Um, let us uh, read together the 30, 31st Consciousness always includes subject and object, self, other, inside and outside are all creations of the conceptual mind. As we know already that uh, consciousness uh, should be viewed as uh, three elements, subject of cognition, object of cognition and the wholeness. It's, it is like the snail. It is like the piece of money. And without one, the two other cannot be. So it's uh, naive to think that there is a consciousness uh, already there. And we use that consciousness in order to go and uh, cognize this and cognize that. Because subject and object, they help each other to manifest at the same time. Thinking is one way thinking of something. Angry is always angry at something. There cannot be object without subject and vice versa. And both are based on uh, the wholeness. Self, other, that is another pair of opposites. The Buddha was, was very clear, this is because that is. Therefore, we have to be able to transcend, to transcend the, the concept of self and other. We inter are. We cannot be by ourselves alone. The perceiver and the perceived is also a pair of opposites. And now inside and outside is another pair of opposites. One of you asked the question, Thay, you said that um, store consciousness can be found in every cell of our body. And you also added that uh, it can be found outside of each cell also. How can it be? You are caught by the idea of inside and outside. The inside is made of the outside. The outside is made of the inside. Remember the joke I made. We are sitting here, believing that this our above and this is our beloved. And our Chinese uh, friends who practice uh, Zazen on the other side of the planet, they wouldn't agree. <laughs> so outside and inside are also concepts. 
they are all the creations of our conceptual mind. 32. Consciousness can be viewed as having three parts, the perceiver, the perceived, and the wholeness. All sits and mental formations are the same. It means that every mental formation, every physical formation, every uh, physiological formation also has these three parts because they are all uh, belonging to consciousness. Thirty-three, production and disintegration both depend on conditions. Production here is birth. Disintegration here is death. So production and disintegration, birth and death, belong to another pair of opposites. If you look deeply, you see that birth is made of death, and death is made of birth. And both birth and death take place simultaneously in each moment. And that can be seen when we touch ourselves deeply, our body and our mind. The nature of consciousness is to manifest in cognition, in which subject and object support each other to make the cognizer and the cognized possible. I believe that yesterday we already discussed about this. 34. In the context of individual and collective manifestation, self and non-self are not distinctive entities, like in the case of mother and daughter, the case of father and son, the case of God the Father and God the Son. Everything possesses within itself the nature of uh, interbeing. <coughs> the cycle of birth and death is achieved in every moment. Usually we think that we need uh, 100 years or a little bit less in order to achieve one uh, cycle of birth and death. But birth and death is really taking place in every moment. And we can experience both birth and death in every moment within our body and within our consciousness. Uh, cells of our body die every moment in order to make room for other cells. If we, if we organize uh, funerals, every time a cell dies, and then we will not have any time left to do other things. <laughs> and consciousness evolves in the ocean of birth and death, always evolving. Alaya, collective or individual, is always compared to a river, always flowing, evolving. 35, space, time, and the four great elements are all displays of consciousness. The four great elements is, uh, are um, earth, 
water, fire, and air, Mahabhuta. They are manifestation of uh, consciousness. Also space and time. Space and time, they are also manifestation of consciousness. In the old time, uh, there, are teachers, there were teachers who, who said that space is an unconditioned Dharma. Because we have gone uh, across uh, the term conditioned Dharmas and unconditioned Dharmas. And it was uh, said that uh, conditioned Dharmas are everything that is combined, um, that, that, are, that is a combination of many elements, like a flower, a Dharma. Flower is a Dharma, is a formation. A flower is made of uh, different kinds of elements, like uh, cloud, sunshine, seed, uh, minerals, and so on. So every Dharma, every uh, formation is impermanent because they are conditioned. And in the past, there were teachers who thought that uh, there are a few Dharma that are not conditioned, like space. Space is not conditioned by anything. But they were not entirely correct because space is made of non-space elements. Space is also a conditioned Dharma. Uh, if you look deeply, you see that space is, a, is a one aspect of the manifestation. The other aspect may be called time. The same reality, when manifested, could be recognized as space. And sometime later, or somewhere later, it can be recognized as time. It is like uh, the electron. The electron sometimes is viewed as a particle, sometimes is viewed as a wave. Space and time are like that. They are of the same. And it's not so difficult to see that. Because uh, if you take time out of space, space can no longer be space. For instance, we are thinking of uh, winter. You think winter belongs to time, and you have to wait in order for winter to come. But you can very well, very well travel in order to meet winter. You go to Australia, for instance, where, there is, uh, where spring is uh, uh, in your country. Uh, in Australia, it is not spring, it is uh, summer. So, winter or summer, it's not only time, it is space. So winter is an entity. When touched, we can see both space and time. And people talk about uh, the Big Bang. It seems that they think that uh, time just flows like this. And at a certain point of time, the Big Bang just happens. The Big Bang, the expansion of, uh, of the cosmos, uh, takes place in time. We have to rethink about that. Because it is uh, that uh, 
Big Bang, that expansion, that is why time is able to manifest itself. So you can see time just because you can touch the, the fact of the expansion of the cosmos. And you can see the expansion of the cosmos just because you can touch time. So time and space, they are aspects of the same reality. The same reality sometimes manifested itself as time and, un- and sometimes manifests itself as space. And time and space inter-are. You cannot take one out from each other. The only Dharma, the only thing that can be described as unconditioned is the ground of our being. That is God. That is Nirvana. But uh, it is not on the same level with uh, formations because it is the base of all formations. Like the water is the base of all waves. You cannot compare the waves with the water. You cannot consider water to be one of the waves. Although water is wave, but you cannot, water is a wave. Space and time are not separated entities. Space and time is also uh, a pair of opposites. In the process of interpenetration and interbeing, maturation of alaya takes place in every moment. Maturation means uh, the combination of many elements that can bring about uh, a final result. It's like uh, you put different kinds of ingredients in a pot, and you wait, or you cook, and after some time, it becomes something uh, delicious that you can drink, you can eat. It is also like an orange, born from the orange blossom, and you have to wait in order to, for the rain and the sunshine and time and space to work on it in order for the orange uh, to mature. So our actions, uh, bodily, um, bodily action, uh, our thinking and our speech, uh, when they are combined together, Positive action, negative action, will bring about uh, the result of our, the quality of our being. Happy, more or less happy, uh, more or less uh, painful, that is the maturation. Because we are the author of our destiny, of our being. Uh, like. Um, 
the French uh, philosopher Jean-Paul Sartre, he said, uh, L'homme est la somme de ses actes. Man is the sum of all his actions. So action here in, in Buddhism, um, we call it karma. Karma means actions. Actions in three forms, thinking, speaking, and doing. So we are the sum of our, all our actions. And when our actions come together and lead to a maturation, uh, uh, we be manifested. And uh, the quality of our being depends on the quality of our previous, uh, previous uh, uh, actions. So that is called maturation. But maturation, if you look deeply, maturation of alaya takes place in every moment. Because yesterday, there was another maturation, but through, uh, uh, through a night of deep meditation, a new, a new enlightenment may come, and today you are born again. You are newly born. And that, this is a new maturation. So maturation does not take place uh, once in every 100 years, like we may imagine a lifetime, but maturation can take place uh, overnight. 36. Being manifest themselves when conditions are sufficient. And when conditions are lacking, they are no longer apparent. Like a cloud. A cloud is a being. A cloud manifests itself when conditions are sufficient. And when conditions are no longer sufficient, we no longer see the cloud. But that does not mean that the cloud is non-existent. You can still touch the cloud by touching the river because the cloud may have become part of the river. So don't quickly turn the cloud as non-existent. The person we loved dearly yesterday does not seem to be there anymore. We call her non-existent. Death. Dead. But that is our vipanka, vikanpa way, our discriminative mind. If we know how to touch deeply, we can still perceive her presence. There is truly no coming or going. No coming and no going. Is it? Because coming into existence and going to non-existence, that is just another pair of opposites. The Buddha is described as someone who has come from suchness. And who go to suchness. But what is suchness? Suchness means reality as it is. And suchness, uh, you, don't, you cannot trans, you cannot uh, describe suchness as uh, here or there in terms of uh, coming and going. That is why coming from suchness, that means coming from nowhere. 
go into suchness, that means knowing nowhere. <coughs> so the expression tathagata, it means uh, coming from suchness and going to suchness. It means no coming, no going. There is truly no coming, no going, no being, no non-being. Because being and non-being are categories, mental categories, that we use to, to, uh, to grasp reality. Our mental, mental categories, such as uh, uh, beginning, end, uh, coming, going, being, non-being, uh, we use these notions in order to grasp reality. But reality is free from all these notions. That is why the true nature of reality is nirvana. Nirvana means free from all notions. And that is why uh, uh, to be or not to be, that is not the question. <laughs> Thirty-seven. From this verse on, we learn about the four kinds of conditions that help something to manifest. To manifest does not mean to begin to be. When a seed brings about an event, that seed is called a primary cause. In Vietnamese, nhân duyên. It is like uh, a seed of corn. If you plant the seed of corn in a moist soil, it will bring about a plant of corn. So for the plant of corn, the seed of corn is the primary cause. But a primary cause is not sufficient in order to bring about uh, uh, the plant of corn. You need the soil, you need the air, you need the sunshine, you need the, uh, the minerals. You need the water. The subject of cognition depends on the object of cognition. This is uh, the second kind of, uh, of uh, conditions. Because consciousness is possible only when subject and object manifest together. If no object of cognition, there will be no cognition. There is no subject of cognition, there will be no cognition. That is why uh, the, second, the second condition that is uh, so essential is that uh, the object of cognition be there. The subject of cognition depends on the object of cognition that is called object cause. Object means object of cognition because you are there, I am here. 38. Conditions that are neither favorable, that are either favorable or obstructing. Please cross cross, uh, the word none. Are are called supporting causes. Favorable, 
uh, obstructing. We should not uh, retain the word now because these are two opposite things. These are conditions to help uh, the, the seed of, uh, of corn to grow into a plant of corn, like the sunshine, like um, the rain, like the minerals, like the farmer. They are not the primary goals, but they are the supporting causes. There must be a variety of support, supporting causes. And there are things, uh, there are causes uh, that look uh, like, uh, look uh, as favorable. But sometimes there are conditions that do not look like favorable, that look like uh, an obstruction. And yet, thanks to that, uh, the result, the effect will be stronger, like uh, the difficulties we encounter on our way. Sometimes, thanks to that difficulties, that become stronger, and our success become more remarkable. That is why, although they obstruct us, they stand on our way. They are they play a role of supporting cause also. Like Devadatta uh, uh, in the life of the Buddha, Devadatta causes a lot of difficulty for the Buddha, and yet the Buddha always consider him to be a supporting cause. Without difficulties, you cannot achieve uh, uh, greatness. That is why uh, the suffering, the difficulties, the, um, the pain within you, although they seem to look like uh, something obstructing, but if you know how, and then these uh, negative things will become uh, supporting, supporting, supporting causes, like uh, the garbage. Uh, can transform into uh, the compost, and that will be uh, very essential for the growth of uh, flowers. Uh, in Vietnamese, thuần duyên and nghịch duyên, thuần duyên, favorable, nghịch duyên, obstructing. But in fact, uh, both of them can be uh, used in order to further. Uh, uh, the growth. The fourth type of condition is the immediacy of the continuity. In Vietnamese, thứ uh, đề or đẳng vô duyên. It means uh, uh, all the supporting causes are there, but if uh, there is no continuity, and then uh, it can be uh, halted stopped. Like uh, uh, when you uh, video, videotape something, a series of uh, images have been uh, taken and there must be a continuity and if there is a stop in between and then it will not uh, it will not uh, it is, uh, lead to a good result. It's like um, when you use your computer and halfway uh, uh, you, uh, the electricity is cut and you 
you did not uh, save uh, so you look everything. So that is called the fourth condition, the immediacy of the continuity. You need uh, each second to follow each other in a very uh, um, uh, close way in order for the result to take place. Otherwise, it will be discontinued. So these are four uh, main conditions that uh, discuss that are discussed uh, within the Buddhist circles: the primary cause, the object cause, uh, the supporting causes, and also the immediacy of the continuity. And every formation uh, would need at least these four conditions in order to manifest uh, itself. The codependent manifestation has two aspects, deluded mind and true mind. The deluded mind is our consciousness uh, overloaded with uh, ignorance, delusion, anger, fear. It is called deluded mind. And true mind is a consciousness that has been transformed where there is the capacity of seeing and uh, reaching the ultimate reality, the parat, the nishpana. So codependent manifestation should be viewed in two aspects, deluded mind and true mind. And if it's a uh, if uh, the manifestation is based on deluded mind, there will be a lot of suffering and confusion. Look at one person, a group of persons, and their way of life, their way of living, their daily living. You can see that uh, they suffer quite a lot. There's a lot of hate, of dismayation, of uh, pain, of sorrow. And that is uh, a manifestation based on a consciousness, a collective consciousness that is quite deluded. But look at another person, another group of person. They live uh, happily, uh, they live with a smile, uh, they love each other, they support each other. And that group of people uh, is a manifestation of uh, a mind that is, can be called a true mind. Because their way to perceive things are very close to the ultimate uh, truth. They know how to look, how to feel, how to touch things in the light of interbeing and interconnectedness. The lived mind is, is imaginary construction. Depends on a way of thinking. Imaginary constructions. Always being caught in pairs of opposite. Always being caught in notions and ideas and not able to touch uh, reality in itself. True mind is from the fulfilled nature. The fulfilled nature is the nishpana. <coughs> nishpana as opposite to the parakampita. If uh, one is capable of touching uh, the realm of uh, things in themselves, 
and then the one's mind has become true mind already. The fourthy, fortieth construction impregnates the mind with seeds of delusion, thus bringing about the misery of samsara. One of the functions of our consciousness is to construct, to imagine all kinds of things. Hell is uh, constructed by us. And therefore, uh, with that kind of uh, discrimination, that kind of uh, imagination, that kind of construction, we uh, water the seeds of delusion in our consciousness every day. And by doing so, we bring about the misery of samsara. Samsara means uh, going round and round in um, the vicious circle of uh, suffering and delusion. The full field opens the door of wisdom to the realm of suchness. Uh, when we are able to touch uh, the full field nature of reality, namely uh, Nishpana, and then we can open the door of wisdom and we can uh, establish ourselves in the realm of suchness, free from all delusion and suffering. 41. Meditation on the nature of interdependence can transform delusion into illumination. That is the practice of uh, Paratantra. Paratantra is the, is the word uh, situated uh, in between the word Nishpana and Parapkanpita. This is the process of learning and training uh, to look, to touch, and to think in terms of interbeing. <coughs> that kind of training can transform delusion into illumination. We begin to see things more deeply, differently. We are, not, uh, we are no longer caught in pairs of opposites and notions. Samsara and suchness are not different. With that kind of deluded mind, there is only samsara. That is samsara. But when the mind has been uh, purified and become a true mind, the same thing is transformed into suchness, into nirvana. It is like, um, it depends on the way we walk, that the ground beneath our feet become uh, the kingdom of God or hell depends on our way of walking. So samsara and suchness are not different. They have the same ground. The ground is our consciousness, our mind. Forty seconds. A flower is already present in the garbage. And the garbage is already present in the flower. You don't need time. If you know how to look, you can see it already in the here and the now. You see one in the other. Flower and garbage are not two. Not two is a very nice way of saying it. Instead of saying one, 
flower and garbage and are one. So not two, it's not quite the same. <laughs> so you play with words in order not to be caught by them. The flower and garbage are not two, delusion and enlightenment inter are. It is not by running away from delusion that we can attain enlightenment. It is by looking deeply into the nature of delusion that we can touch enlightenment. Forty-third. There is no need to run away from birth and death. We only need to look deeply into events. Let us uh, change it into uh, formations. We only need to look deeply into formations. When the true nature of interdependence is seen and the truth of interbeing is penetrated. And of course, uh, the realm of birth and death is now perceived as the realm of no birth and no death. A Vietnamese teacher of the 13th century used to tell his uh, disciples to practice uh, diligently in order to to touch uh, the realm of no birth and no death. And one of his disciples asked, Teacher, where can we find the realm of no birth and no death? And he said that right in the realm of birth and death. So when you say the kingdom of God is at hand, you understand what it means. The kingdom of God is available in the here and the now. It depends on you. Don't dream of uh, having it in the future because uh, it is available only in the present moment. You need to wake up. You need to uh, your mind to be true no longer deluded in order to touch it. And just with one step, you can enter into the kingdom of God. Forty-fourth, practice conscious breathing to water the seeds of enlightenment that is already in us. Right view is like a flower that blooms permanently on the field of mind consciousness. Store consciousness is like uh, the garden, and if uh, and the seat of right view, it means the seat of uh, insight is buried in it. And if you know how to practice mindful breathing, how to practice mindful looking, and water the seat of enlightenment in yourself, and then one morning, understanding insight will come up and bloom like a flower in the field of mind consciousness. 45. Just as sunlight shines on vegetation and makes it grow, once mindfulness is lit up, it can transform all the other mental formations. It's wonderful that we have that source of energy in us. It is like uh, the sunshine. All vegetation is uh, 
is uh, sensitive to sunshine because uh, the sunshine can help uh, all vegetation to transform. The green color of the vegetation is a product of the sunshine. So if uh, all vegetation is sensitive to, is uh, photosensitive, then all mental formations are also sensitive to, to mindfulness. With mindfulness as an energy, you can embrace all mental formations. When you embrace a positive mental formation, it begins to grow like a joy and peace. When you embrace a negative uh, formation like anger, you bring a relief and you can transform it. So every mental formation, when touched by mindfulness, can get a transformation. Every mental formation is sensitive to the mental formation called mindfulness. Mindfulness is the energy of God that is in us. Mindfulness is the Holy Spirit. And we know by our own experience that the seed of mindfulness is there, not as an idea. Because you are able, every one of us is capable of drinking our water mindfully, of walking mindfully. So mindfulness is not an idea. It is something that we can touch in our daily life, that we can cultivate, that we can uh, uh, help to grow, and that is our practice. And we, uh, we, allow, we should allow ourselves uh, to, be, to be alive uh, in the presence of God, in the presence of the Holy Spirit, namely in the presence of mindfulness, because uh, it should be aware uh, of what is going on in the present moment. We should be able to live deeply each moment of our daily life and the energy of mindfulness help us to do so. Forty-six, we recognize the internal knots and latent, latent tendencies in order to transform them. The internal knots are the blocks of pain and sorrow and fear and depression within us. Latent tendencies here means uh, the habit energies that have been uh, transmitted to us uh, by our ancestors that are always there and that need us to recognize and transform. When all habit energies are gone, the fruit of transformation at the base will appear. Transformation at the base, it means transformation not on the level of mind consciousness, but down there on the depth of our store consciousness. The Sanskrit term is Ashraya uh, Paravritti, Ashraya means the base. Paravritti means transformation. Transformation at the base is a key word here. That uh, the, the real transformation is the transformation at the base, where 
your some yojana, your internal knots, your blocks of suffering are sleeping. The ten, the the ten, the the habit energies are drowning. And if you cannot touch these uh, things and transform them, a true transformation has not taken place. And that is uh, the practice of uh, transformation at the base. Uh, ashraya is the base. Ashraya paravritti, transformation at the base. 47. The present moment contains the past and the future. If you know how to look deeply. The past is still available. The future is already available. The secret of transformation at the base is the way we handle this very moment. So our practice is to learn to train ourselves to handle the present moment. If we know how to handle the present moment, not only we can live deeply each moment of our life, but we can uh, uh, transform the past and we can build the future, just by taking good care and in a very deep way, uh, the present moment. 48. Transformation takes place in daily life. If we take refuge in and practice with the Sangha, the work of transformation will be realized. We can add uh, more easily. <laughs> because in the in the original in the original uh, that word does exist kung fu dễ tìm thấy it means uh, the result will be obtained more easily because uh, practicing without the sangha uh, it is possible but it's not so easy so taking refuge and practice with the Sangha is a very important. 49. Nothing is born, nothing dies. A French uh, scientist, his name is uh, Lavoisier, he said exactly the same thing, using the same words. Rien ne se crée, rien ne se Nothing is created, nothing dies. He was not a Buddhist. He's just a scientist and trying to look deeply into the nature of reality. And he discovered by himself that nothing is born, nothing dies. And that is uh, in the Heart Sutra that we chanted this morning. There is no birth, there is no death. No production, no destruction. Nothing is born, nothing dies. There is no need to grasp at or to abandon anything. Usually we try to grasp life and we run away from death. Because we are caught in our notions and in pairs of opposites. That is why we are, we are inclined to run away and to run after something. Since samsara is itself nirvana, the object of attainment is not to be attained. 
because everything according to the light of the teaching has been neutralized from the non-beginning. Why should you have to go uh, and look for it? Because there is a beginning, there should be an end. And if you skillful use the word, since there is no beginning, and you don't have to encounter the end. In uh, the ultimate dimension, there is no beginning, there is no end. Before we think that there is something that we should attain and that something is outside of us. But everything is there. When we transcend what, uh, the notion of inside and outside, we know that the object of attainment is already there within us. Why do we have to, to go in to search for it in space or in time? when you know that it is already available in the here and the now. That is why uh, in the Buddhist teaching, uh, the, the contemplation on no attainment is very important. No attainment, no attainment. The object of attainment is not to be attained. You don't need to attain anything since you already have it. You are already it. The fifth fear. One's afflictions are no longer than enlightenment. Because affliction and enlightenment, uh, they are the same. When you are have a deluded mind, afflictions are there. But when you have the true mind, and then afflictions are no longer there instead, that is enlightenment. We can write on the waves of birth and death in peace because we are no longer afraid of birth and death and birth is no longer birth no longer birth and death is no longer death because we have uh, touched the true nature of interbeing bodhisattvas are described as uh, beautiful people who are riding on the waves of birth and death with no fear absolutely no fear and that is why they can help so many people. They have great freedom, freedom from fear. We can travel on the boat of compassion through the ocean of delusion with the smile of non-fear. In fact, non-fear is the greatest gift you can make to the people you love. Nothing is more precious than non-fear. And if you have practice, and if you have touched the ultimate dimension of your reality, and then non-fear is your attainment. There are three kinds of gifts. The first kind of gift is uh, material resources. The second kind of gift is uh, the Dharma, to show the people the way. But the, the greatest gift that you can make is the gift of non-fear. And you cannot offer that gift unless you have it. So if you are 
a therapist, a counselor, someone who practices the to accompany a person who dies. Someone who would like to help the other person to die peacefully, without pain, without fear. You have to practice this. Unless you have a solidity and non-fear in you, you cannot be your best in practicing this. The other person needs uh, the presence of a stability, the presence of a non-fear, in order to be able to die calmly, peacefully. And if you know how to touch the ultimate dimension of reality, if you know what is uh, the reality of no birth and no death, and then you transcend all kinds of fears, and there you are sitting there, you are a great source of inspiration for the other person who is dying. And the practice of non-fear is the greatest practice within Buddhism. And unless you can touch uh, the ground of your being, you can train uh, yourself to look uh, into the light of interbeing, you cannot uh, get rid of your fear of your discrimination. When we chant the Heart Sutra, we know that uh, Avalokiteshvara, because of the fact that he is able to look deeply into the nature of the five elements, he discovers the nature of emptiness, and he suddenly overcomes all kinds of afflictions, and he gets the energy of non-fear. And that is why he has become uh, a great being and has been able to rescue so many living beings just because he has the uh, energy of non-fear within himself. Once afflictions are no longer there, when afflictions are no other than enlightenment, we can ride with joy on the waves of birth and death. We can travel on the boat of compassion uh, and rescue people through the ocean of delusion with a smile of non-fear. Many of you would uh, may like to know uh, who is the author of these uh, 50 verses. I would like to tell you But in the light of this uh, practice, we have to tell you who are not the author of the 50 verses. <laughs> in the time of the Buddha, the Buddha uh, was the living Dharma. And that is why there was no need to uh, to uh, 
to uh, systemize the teaching. But after the Buddha passes away, uh, there was a need. Many monks were able to memorize uh, the discourses of the Buddha. But the teaching of the Buddha had not been systemized. There's no such a thing as a systematic uh, Buddhism. But uh, about uh, if uh, it one or two decades after the Buddha, um, the Buddha's uh, Parinirvana, there was uh, the need to systemize uh, the teaching. To to, uh, to organize the teaching in a systematic way. And when the Dhamma is presented uh, systematically like that, it is called uh, Abhidhamma, the Super Dhamma. In Vietnamese, Thang uh, Pháp, in Chinese also. And people begin to uh, create uh, works in the field of uh, Abhidharma, Superdharma, to the extent that we had uh, monumental works on the Abhidharma that can discourage us. Because there's so much to learn. There's so many manuals and great monumental works. And that is why uh, towards uh, the the beginning of the fifth century uh, of our area, uh, there was a tendency to uh, summarize. And uh, we began to have a very concise, uh, compact uh, work on the Abhidharma. And I can mention to you a few ones that are most popular, that are being used in, uh, in uh, a basic uh, uh, Buddhism institute, like uh, the um, the path of uh, purification by uh, Buddha Gosa that was written in the Pali language, the fifth century. On the fifth century, there was uh, uh, the Visuddhimagga. by uh, Buddha Gosha. Uh, translated as uh, the path of purification. And it is now in, uh, available in English. It has been translated in Chinese into Chinese uh, lately. And the Visuddhimagga 
and uh, the author Buddha Gosa uh, belonged to a school of Buddhism uh, that migrated uh, to the south and uh, they settled in the island of Sri Lanka. In the beginning, the name of the school was uh, Tamra Satya, uh, the school where monks uh, wear the robes uh, with the color of uh, copper, red, yellow. But uh, later on, uh, they prefer the word uh, Theravada, uh, the school of the elders. Uh, in the fifth century, uh, in northern, northern India, uh, around Kash- Kashmir, there was uh, a person whose name is uh, Vasubandhu. He did the same in the Sanskrit language. Uh, he compiled a man- magnificent uh, summary of the Abhidharma called the uh, Abhidharma Kosha Sastra. <coughs> Kosha means uh, the treasure the treaty on the treasure of uh, the Superdharma. Vasubandhu, uh, after having learned Buddhism and practiced Buddhism in many other schools, came to a school called Sarvastivala that established itself uh, in Kashmir for 1,000 years. And uh, he learned the teaching of Sattva and after that he combined the teaching of uh, his former school and the teaching of Sattva and and he offered this work, which has been translated into French and English, available to you. But at the same time, his brother, who was also a monk, uh, studied and practiced uh, Mahayana Buddhism. And uh, the two brothers went into different directions because Vasubandhu was still uh, in uh, the line of the multi-school Buddhism because uh, there were about 20, 22 schools of Buddhism at that time. And uh, Mahayana Buddhism began to prosper at that time already. And his brother, Asanga, Asanga, Uh, 
wrote a very superb treatise on the Abhidharma according to the insight of Mahayana called the Mahayana Samgraha Sastra. Samgraha means the compendium, compendium, the, the, the summary, the essence of Mahayana. The Vietnamese is a Nhiếp Đại Thơ Luân. And Asanga is Vô Trước. And this Mahayana uh, Samgraha Sastra uh, discuss uh, deeply and the teaching of store consciousness. Store consciousness uh, provided uh, the foundation for the object of cognition. This also has been translated into English and French. So you have plenty of uh, materials to use <laughs> in your own language. In my time, I had to study all this in, uh, in Chinese. And uh, the other versions, uh, Sanskrit and uh, uh, English and uh, French, uh, were available much, much later. And then Vasubandhu was influenced by his big brother. And that is why he began to build his Abhidhamma with uh, in the direction of Mahayana Buddhism, renewed Buddhism. And that is why he produced uh, the two works that have become classic in the, in the studies of uh, manifestation of consciousness. consciousness. The first work is uh, the 20 verses on manifestation of consciousness. Vimshika, Vimshika, Vishnapti Matrata Karika Vasu Bangdu Vimshika means uh, the 20, the 20 verses, Karika means verses, on the manifestation. Vishnapti means manifestation, Matra means only. There is only manifestation of the mind. You can translate uh, Vishnapti Matrata as manifestation only or mere manifestation. This word matra is equivalent to the English ism, like idealism or materialism. It is ism only. So you may like to use the word uh, mere manifestation, Vishnapti manifestation. So the 20 verses on mere manifestation. And uh, this has been translated also 
in English, into English. Very difficult. You would not understand unless you have a teacher sitting beside you. The 50 are very easy. The 50 are the easiest. And then later on, he produced uh, the Trimshika. Trimshika. Trimshika Vishnapti Matrata Karika Vasubandhu. And I, when I was a novice, I learned the Trimshika by heart. I had to. The 30 verses. The 30 verses uh, have been uh, com commented by many Chinese uh, uh, doctors. And many works on the, on the commentaries on the, on the 30 verses are available in the Chinese language. And I profit uh, a great deal from these uh, commentaries from uh, previous teachers. In the 7th century, There was a Chinese monk who went to China. His name is Xuanyang, the pilgrim. And he stayed many years in India and happened to, uh, to come to Nalanda University near Patna. And at the time when the study of uh, Vishnati Matrata, um, of, uh, of uh, manifestation of consciousness was uh, in uh, uh, flourishing. So he stayed there several years and learned this teaching. And uh, the rector of the university his name is uh, Sila Brada, Sila Bhadra, Yehien. He is the last of the ten. Uh, the ten, uh, ten uh, well-known doctors of the school of uh, Vishnapti. And these uh, ten great scholars have left uh, behind um, many uh, commentaries, many uh, works on Vishnapti Matra. And when the Chinese monk Huyen Trang came, and met with uh, Srila Prada. He learned from them, from him, and he got from him the commentaries uh, offered by the nine uh, great uh, scholars that uh, had become, had become, had come before him. So, Huyang Tang is his name.
And uh, when he went back to China, he tried to found a school on manifestation of consciousness. And he wrote many treatises, and among them a very short, a very, con- a very uh, compact uh, uh, three verses, only three verses. <laughs> But they are still difficult. It's called uh, called um, the standard verses on manifestation of consciousness. Here is his name, pronounced Chuan Yang. And when I was a novice, I learned this of course, in Chinese. It's nice because uh, there are rhymes in it, so it's very easy to memorize. The 50 verses, if you study them in Vietnamese, it's nice because there are rhymes in it, and you can memorize very well. And then, if a decade after Shan Yang, there was a person, there was a monk whose name is Fa Chang. Fa Chang. He tried to help. He tried to help by uh, pushing ahead the teaching of Vishnapti Matra. Because the teaching of Vishnapti Matra, as presented by Vimshika, is just, uh, just newly born from, uh, from uh, the archaic school of Buddhism. And uh, although it belonged to Mahayana, the, the tradition of Mahayana, but that is only uh, halfway Mahayana, not entirely mature yet. And that is why uh, Fa Chang tried to bring the teaching of the Avanamsaka uh, into it, to make it uh, clear, to emphasize on the teaching that one, the one contained the all, uh, the one reflected the all. And, uh, but the effect of Fa Chang was not very long-lasting. After Fa Chang, uh, it seemed that uh, nobody tried to continue like that. And Fa Chang was known for his uh, work on the wondrous meaning of the Avatamsaka Sutra. The wondrous meaning of the Avatamsaka. Sutra. In Vietnamese, Hoa Nghiêm Huyền Nghĩa. When I was a young monk, 
I already had insight that if uh, we can open this Dharma door, uh, many people can enter the Dharma and practice easily. This uh, is the study of mind, of the mind. And if uh, one understands how our mind operates, and then the practice will become much easier. In fact, uh, on the 13th century, a Vietnamese monk uh, has already said that. He said that if uh, we understand how our mind functions, and then the practice will become easy. If not, uh, we will stumble a lot. That is why I was determined that when I grew up, I will open this door and offer the practice uh, from uh, use uh, the psychological entrance, uh, the door of uh, mind studies. And that is why uh, uh, I have uh, used all the insight that I have learned from all these works. Visuddhimagga, Abhidhamma, Kosha Sastra, Mahayana, Samgraha Sastra, the 20, the 30, uh, the standard verses, and uh, I offer the 50 verses. So the 50 verses are the work of uh, many people. And uh, I have uh, taken all the jewels from the 30 verses, or the 20 verses, and from other works, in order to offer you the 50 verses. So you can find in the, ter- the 50 verses uh, uh, the best of all these, uh, these uh, classics. And uh, my contribution is more on the way I present the verses. They are very easy. They are not complicated. And uh, I try to get it of uh, technical terms as uh, much as I can. And uh, I think if you uh, go home and have time to listen again to the tapes, you will understand all the 50 verses. Because uh, the, wa- the, the seeds uh, uh, in you have been watered, but uh, may, it may not be enough yet. So you need to practice um, Mm, no, continue the watering in order for the seeds to, uh, to have enough uh, conditions to sprout. In his lifetime, the Buddha had a disciple, a lay disciple whose name is uh, Sudatta. Uh, on his first uh, meeting with the Buddha in the kingdom of uh, uh, of uh, Rajagraha, the young uh, businessman Sudatta fell in love with the Buddha. He became his disciple. He he invited the Buddha to come to his country in order to share the Dharma. And the Buddha agreed. His country is uh, uh, is uh, in the north, on the other side of the Ganges River. The name of the kingdom is uh, Koshala, and the capital is um, Shravasti. That was uh, about uh, three or four years after the enlightenment of the Buddha. 
he were he, he settled in a bamboo grove uh, near the capital of Rajagraha. And uh, Sudatta had a family uh, with three lovely children. Uh, his heart is so good that he used uh, a lot of his time and uh, material resources to take care of uh, hungry children, desolated, uh, uh, lonely people, and so on. He was so helpful that the people loved him so much they gave him the title Anatapindika. Anatapindika means the one who takes care of uh, uh, the destitute, the, the people who are left alone. And when he had uh, the acceptation of the Buddha, uh, he was so happy. So he went home to the city of uh, Travasti and tried to find a place uh, to host the Buddha and his uh, monks. And then he, he, bought, he bought a beautiful park from a prince called Jeta. Uh, and he managed the park into a monastery. The Buddha came after, after that, and it became the second Dharma center in the life of the Buddha. And the king of uh, Kosala later became uh, a disciple of the Buddha. About 30 years later, Anathapadika died. The Buddha visited him uh, when he heard that uh, Anathapadika was uh, very sick. And uh, after that, he assigned the Venerable Shariputra, his, uh, his uh, senior disciple, uh, to make, to make uh, regular visits and to, to help uh, Anathapadika. And one day, Shariputra learned that uh, Anathapinika was dying. So he asked his younger brother in the Dharma, uh, Ananda Tera, to come with him. And when they arrived, uh, they found uh, Anathapinika lying on his uh, bed. Anathapinika tried to sit up. But uh, Shariputra said, uh, dear friend, don't, don't try. Please remain uh, in your bed. We will bring a few shares and we will be with you. And when the monks are seated, Shariputra asked, dear friend, Anathapinika, how do you feel within your body? Is the pain within your body increasing or decreasing? And uh, Anathapindika said, uh, Dear Venerables, uh, the pain in me does not seem to, de- to decrease. It is increasing all the time. And when Shariputra hear that, he, uh, he said, uh, In that case, let us uh, practice uh, the meditation called the recollection of the three jewels. Uh, let us uh, concentrate on the Buddha, on the Dharma, and on the Sangha. Shariputra knew very well 
that uh, Anathapanika took a great deal of pleasure in serving the Buddha, serving the Dharma, and serving the Sangha. His happiness is made of uh, service to the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. And that is why uh, it would be beneficial if he can uh, help uh, Anathapanika to concentrate his mind on the objects of his uh, happiness. And there, uh, therefore, the two monks were sitting and uh, gu- doing guided meditation so that Anathapitika could uh, concentrate his mind on uh, the three jewels. And this is a very intelligent. When you are dying, someone should be there in order to help you to concentrate on uh, and water the seeds of your happiness. Because the seeds of your happiness, if they are watered, they will be able to, to, to restore the balance, to make uh, the pain in your body uh, bearable. Shariputra knew how to do it. And after 10, 15 minutes, he asked. And then uh, Anatta Pedika said that, now uh, I'm all right because the pain uh, has lessened in his body just because the seeds of happiness have been touched and wanted. And then Shariputra said, uh, let us continue, let us meditate on our body. Please do it with us. We are here supporting you in the practice. Breathing in, I know that I am not this body. I don't identify myself with this body. I'm not only this body. I'm more. I'm more than this body. And of course, he followed the way of the Buddha. These eyes are not me. I'm not caught in these eyes. I'm life without boundaries. I have never born. I, have, I will never die. And after having meditated on eyes, Come to ear. These ears are not me. This nose are not me. The tongue are not me. This body is not me. This mental consciousness is not me. I am not caught by this mental consciousness. I am life without boundaries. These are only manifestations depending on conditions. And then, dear friend, let us meditate on the elements. The element of uh, earth in me is not me. I am not caught into it. The element of fire is not me. The element of water is not me. The element of air is not me. I am not caught by these elements. I am free from these elements. The 16 realms of elements are not me. The eyes is not me. The form, form is not me. Nose is not me. Uh, smell is not me. Tongue is not me. Taste is not me. I'm free from all this. Until uh, Anathapitika can release the body, can release the elements, and do not grasp the body as himself. It's very important to help the dying person 
not to identify himself or herself with his body. He may know it intellectually, but at that moment, he needs someone lucid, strong, to remind him in order for him not to, to be caught in the idea that he is this body. If you want the person to die peacefully and with freedom, you have to be able to help him or her to see that. Anatapinika, please let us continue. When conditions are sufficient, the body manifests itself. And people call it existing. When the body when conditions are no longer sufficient, the body does, is no longer there. Uh, we call it non-existing. That is not right. There is no coming. There is no, there is no going. There is no being. There is no non-being. And uh, everything has uh, its nature of interbeing. Everything has the nature of uh, being empty of a separate self. So slowly, uh, Shariputra led uh, Anathabhika to touch uh, the realm of no birth and no death. And at one point, they saw tears begin to run down. The Venerable Ananda, who was much younger, he was surprised. He said, Dear friend, why, do you, why are you crying? Do you regret something? Or do you fail in the practice? Ananda Pinika smiled and said, No, Lord Ananda, I do not regret anything. In, in, uh, in fact, I practice very well. I cry because I am so moved. I have been serving the Buddha and the Sangha in the last 30 years, but I have never received and practiced such a wonderful teaching. Ananda said, this teaching, this teaching the Buddha used to give us monks and nuns almost every day. Anatta Pedika said, Lord Ananda, please go home and tell the Lord that we lay people Many of us, although we are caught in our busy life, that there are many of us who are capable of receiving and practicing this wonderful teaching of no birth and no death. And the Venerable Ananda accepted the commission. And just a few moments later, Anatta Pedika died very peacefully and happily, thanks to the, the assistance of the two monks. And this, um, this uh, story, uh, you can have it uh, whole, the whole story, in a discourse called a discourse to be offered to the dying person, in the Shantin book uh, published by Parallax Press. And please, um, please study the text. 
and practice accordingly uh, in order to uh, to to be able to cultivate our uh, solidity our freedom our non-fear for our own sake and for the sake of the people who are subjected to a lot of fear and suffering uh, especially when when they die Institute to lead a retreat. Uh, I was uh, traveling with uh, Sister Jenko, uh, Therese, Annie, with, and many other friends. We had a van and uh, started from New York, and we learned that our friend uh, Alfred Hasler was dying in a hospital uh, nearby. Alfred Hasler was a uh, uh, director of a peace organization called uh, Fellowship of Reconciliation. And he was so active uh, during the war in Vietnam. He was active in helping us, uh, campaigning for stopping the war, stopping the killing. And he had become a very dear friend of us because of uh, 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 this kind of uh, action for peace. And since we are on the, on the way, uh, and we, can, uh, we decided to stop and help him and visited him. It was uh, a Catholic uh, uh, hospital. And when we arrived and climbed to that floor, uh, Alfred was uh, in coma. And he was being fed with uh, glucose and things like that. His uh, wife, uh, Dorothy, was there. His uh, daughter, Laura, was there. Laura used to work in our office in Paris as a volunteer. Uh, we had uh, a delegation called the Vietnamese uh, Buddhist uh, Peace Delega Delegation at the Paris uh, Peace Talk. I was the head of the Vietnamese Buddhist Peace Delegation uh, at the Peace Talk. And we provide uh, uh, people and the press with materials that warring parties did not want to provide. We represent uh, the victims of the war and not uh, a warring party. When uh, Dorothy and Laura saw us, they were so happy. They did not expect that they could come like that. Because we are, we may be, we were the closest friends of his family. We worked so closely with each other uh, to end the war in Vietnam. And uh, Laura tried her best to wake uh, Alfred up, but she did not succeed. Alfred, Alfred is here. Sister Chang Kang is here, but he, he didn't know. 
So I asked Sister Duncan to sing to him. The song that I wrote uh, based on Buddha's discourse on, uh, on uh, no birth and no death. These eyes are not me. I'm not caught by these eyes. I'm life without boundaries. I have never been born. I will never die. Look at me. Look at these uh, uh, galaxies, stars, and moon. They are all manifestations of our con- collective consciousness. Since the uh, time immemorial, I have been free. Birth and death are only uh, threshold by which I go in and go out. And it is only a game of uh, hide and seek. So take my hand, smile to me. Uh, we'll see each other again right now and later on because we are always with each other. So that song I ask the sisters of Jankong to sing to him because we believe that uh, he could listen. And in fact, when she sang it for the third time, Alfred came back. He opened his eyes. And Laura was so happy. Daddy, you know that Thay is here? Daddy, you know that Sister Jankong is here? And Alfred could not talk, but his eyes proved that he he was aware. And then Sister Jiang Kong began to talk to him. Alfred, do you know? Do you know? Do you remember the time you were in uh, Vietnam trying to bring, bring our messages to the high monks in Vietnam? You sat on the door uh, of uh, the Venerable Thich Quang. Wanted, you wanted to see him. But he did not want to see any Westerner because Americans uh, just decided to bomb North Vietnam. He did not want to see any Westerners, uh, 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 either hawks or doves. He refused to see them. And you, sla- you wrote down uh, a message on a piece of paper. You, uh, you slide it in and you said that, uh, I'm a friend. Uh, I'm here to support you to offer my help. Uh, I will uh, sit here and fast until you open the door. <laughs> and you remember, Alfred, that only 15 minutes after that, that he, <laughs> he opened the door and smiled to you and invited you to go in. Alfred, uh, uh, do you remember the time we organized a demonstration in uh, Rome? 500 uh, Catholic priests wearing the name tux, uh, wearing the names of uh, 500 Buddhist monks uh, who, are in, who were in jail in Vietnam because they refused uh, to be drafted into the army. And she continued to remind Andrew of all these uh, images because uh, we knew that that would water the seeds of happiness in him because his life was devoted to, uh, to work for peace. And at that same, same time, I was uh, doing massage to his, to his feet. And Laura said, uh, Daddy, you think, you, do you know that Thay uh, is uh, massaging your feet? Although he did not say yes, but his eyes proved that he, he was aware. When someone is about to die, uh, the body might become numb, and uh, you might not be aware that your body is there. 
So it might be helpful if you can do massage to remind and to prove that there is a contact. The contact is still possible. There is a relationship between the person you love and your, you and yourself. And a few minutes later, Alfred just opened his mouth and pronounced the word wonderful. Wonderful two times. And after that, he sunk back into coma. Very surprising. He was fully aware that we were there and our presence has helped restore his uh, balance. And he could recognize that uh, moment as a wonderful, a world wonderful moment of friendship and of support. Wonderful, wonderful. He said it twice. Annie was not with us. Annie was sitting in the car, Therese and other friends. And we know that we had to arrive uh, at Omega before, uh, before night, before to dark. It's too dark. And that is why we had to leave. But we told Dorothy and uh, Laura uh, to continue the practice. Even if uh, Alfred is in coma, you should continue to talk to him. Talk to him. There is a way that he can uh, communicate with you with uh, store consciousness. He does not need uh, mental consciousness in order to communicate. Just talk to him and continue to water the seeds of happiness, the positive seeds. And if uh, he wakes up, then you continue like a sister Jankum. And we left. And early in the next morning, we received a telephone call from the hospital. Alfred uh, passed away just a few hours after our visit, peacefully. So we can learn, we can learn a lot from uh, our practice. We can learn a lot from, uh, uh, from uh, the previous generations in their practice. And we can uh, cultivate uh, the the energy of uh, stability, of solidity, of peace, of insight in us. And we will be uh, uh, able to support and to help uh, many other people. I think uh, these uh, materials are available uh, for your continued uh, studies and practice. Uh, if you write to uh, Parallax, to the community of Mindful Living, to the Association of Mindfulness Practice Centers, uh, they will be able to offer you uh, information that you need. Dear friends, uh, our retreat is about to end. It has been a pleasure for all of us to be uh, from Prom Village to be here with you uh, this time. And I hope that extra of you will become, uh, will be able to maintain uh, the light, the portrait, in you alive. You are very essential to uh, the well-being and uh, improvement of many who are around you. Please uh, keep being a torch, keep being a light, allow mindfulness to accompany you, 
uh, uh, in order for us together to have a chance to to make uh, this world into a place, a better place for us, for our children and uh, their children. Thank you.